lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's Olin Sports. Jake Seeley, your host. As always, in case you're coming from today's amazing, wonderful, one of the best in the business guests, I'm at Olin Kid. If you need to find me there, if you want to go to The Athletic and find my work, including all the amazing sports coverage from top four sports more than that your favorite team fantasy football fantasy baseball basketball hockey all that stuff theathletic.com slash all in sports gets you 40 percent off so make sure you're checking that out make sure you get over there all the podcasts that are over there as well but let's just get into today's show get you ready for week nine of the fantasy football season halloween week i hope you enjoy getting the candy goodness i got my rankings out for you guys which of course people are going to disagree about because it's food but like I said, this week's guest is one of the best, in my opinion. And I'm sure you guys, if you, follow, you should be following your heck, 100 plus thousand followers already out there. But if you're not, I think you're crazy not to. It's Harris Football. It's Chris Harris of Harris Football. Like I said, one of the best. If you want the no nonsense, let's cut the fluff and the, you know, the cliches and the easy way. If you want to deep dive, if you want to know what analysis is, we talk to this guy. Talk to Chris Harris. How's it going, man? It's going great. Thank you for that lovely intro. And plus, if you listen to my show, you get to hear stupid songs. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever finalize what, what my walk-up music was? Uh, no. I mean, this is it. I'm, I'm sending people from my listenership to you to hear me once again issue this complaint, which is Jake is a regular guest on the dang show. Get walk-up music for Jake Seeley. I will make it happen. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I told you it needs to be DuckTales. I just don't know if you could you run into a licensing issue with that, especially since we that's, we break that's a Disney license. company. Yeah, yeah. We, break, we, we've, we had DuckTales. We've had plenty of DuckTales because uh, we have duck hands on the show, you know, bad, a bad receiver. Some, for some reason, yes. we have duck hands. So, uh, so yeah, we, we violate all sorts of copyright. It's karaoke, <laughs> man. It's karaoke. It's loving tributes. We need a Jake Silly walk-up music. That's for sure. I, I'm with you on that. But how about we get into what is, uh, it's week nine. Why not have some craziness in store already? And I want to get to the backfield at the top that everybody's concerned about after Monday Night Football because James Conner at the end of the game goes out to the sideline and you know the talk, Chris. Everybody's like, oh, he said the word clavicle. So it's <laughs> got to be so, like, I just love the doctor instant analysis on Twitter because the doctor said clavicle to him. So we know all these things. <laughs> Let me look at this from three different angles, and you tell me what you think. How <laughs> confident would Chris Harris feel rolling out James Conner with no practice this week if he's playing? How confident would you feel if he's out and your opinion of Jalen Samuels? And then do we even care? Because I saw your tweet. It sounds like Betty Snell is potentially probably just out altogether. I saw your tweet. It's time for this guy. What if they're all out? Then what do we do? <laughs> LeGarrette Blunt's got to come back. Yes. That was a tweet. Um, so sight unseen, if there's no James Conner practice, but they put him out there, I would probably have to start him. He's played really well. It's good Colts defense, but I don't consider it to be like a complete hands-off running back situation. 
And I hate the quarterback at Pittsburgh. So I would, you know, I just think you have to run if you're going to, or, and throw the running backs, just do, do everything you do to simplify it for Mason Rudolph. So I, I recognize that you could get David Johnson to buy him. Of course, I recognize mm-hmm. that. Um, but I probably, if he's not, if he's, if he's active, I, at least, you know, let's get through the week and see what the messaging is like, I guess. I hate that, but, you know, to some degree, <laughs> let's see how questionable he really is. Um, if he is not, if, if we know he's not going to be out, I mean, I think Jalen Samuels is not as, he, he is off-brand James Conner, I guess. He's, yeah, what's your opinion on Jalen Samuels in general? That he's off-brand James Conner, that he's like, he's sort of a power back. You know, we know what he converted tight end, basically an H back more than he is a running back. He's fine. He's okay as a power back, but he just doesn't have anything really to recommend him lateral quickness wise, acceleration wise. He's kind of a a big body that you can throw at me. He's better than Kalen Balazs. Yes. Like like Alfred Blue adjacent, maybe, you know, someone like that. So, but the difference, that's as a runner, another difference being he's an accomplished receiver. He's runs good routes. And if you kind of, we saw that Bengals game where they ran them on those little crossers and the Bengals just refused to come up and play man to man. They just played zone and it was a, you know, a hundred million catch night for Jalen Samuels and James Conner. But um, if there's no James Conner, Jalen Samuels will not be as high in my ranks as James Conner would be, but he would be clearly given the running back landscape clearly in the top 20 okay so let's talk about another backfield and this is i'm going to kind of steal this feels the way i phrase this question feels like i'm stealing like this is how chris would phrase the question to me i kind of feel like it we'll see you tell me if i'm right or wrong on that i feel like let's talk about the lions running backs and the simple answer feels like just avoid all of them, but we can't just say that. Like that feels like a Chris question. Doesn't this feel like a Chris question? Was that a Chris question? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm throwing the Chris question at you. So yeah. we, we have to have an answer for people out there. So what is the answer? Well, we have to do ranks. So we're going to have to rank somebody above all the other guys. Um, since I know you're one of the biggest giants fans in the world, <laughs> That's the running joke on on my show that you've gradually become less and less of a Giants fan. Um, since what are you? Forty Niners, right? That's your team of the. That's your that's your team. No, no, that's not my team. I don't. I, I'm not going to pick a new team ever. I'm just. <laughs> I, know. I, I know you're not. Um, so you watched that game and uh, yes. you saw they started with Trey, Trey Carson, the Lions did, and it was three handoffs in the first four plays and Carson actually kind of ran over a couple of guys. It was pretty good. I think it was 22 yards in the first three carries. And after that, it was garbage. He was, he was bad after that. But it seemed very clear to me the message that the Lions were, were sending was, was like beginnings of halves. We're going to go with the guy who's been in the league longer not 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 very accomplished but the bigger guy (laughs) the guy who's been around a little bit longer and then after that we'll just see how it goes on that very first series they also worked in ty johnson the kid they also worked in jd mckissick paul it was the paul perkins revenge game obviously so they had to give him a series yeah i had to give him a few touches (laughs) he played nine snaps i think um i don't perkins for me doesn't factor because because they don't play the giants again so he doesn't get the revenge (laughs) that's sarcasm (laughs) people don't know me well enough i would hope so Um, so it's, so it comes down to McKissick as the third down back and then the other two guys, Carson and, and Ty Johnson. And you watched it. So you saw, I mean, Ty Johnson had a nice run called back by holding, had two, uh, had a wheel route where it hit him in the hands. It was a good play. It was Jabril Peppers knocked it out, but it was a good play. That was almost a touchdown, right? That was, and then almost another touchdown down the right sideline where he's lined up as a wide receiver where it was just a bad throw. Uh, Stafford missed him. So 
we could be having a different conversation right now if anything had worked out positive for, for Ty Johnson. I think the workload still would have been alarming. And in fact, you and I would probably be having a conversation saying, whoa, 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 pump the brakes on Ty Johnson. Don't you realize Trey Carson played nearly as many snaps? Instead, right. since those plays didn't work, we're kind of having the opposite conversation, which is please don't, please don't drop Ty Johnson just because of this. We don't know how it's going to go moving forward. As of our recording this, we now know that the Lions did not trade for a running back. So this is the group, unless they go add another bomb off the street. Like Eric Blunt can go there. It's another of his former teams. Um, JJ! Everybody wants JJ to sign somewhere. Right, right JJ. So, but for as long as it's these guys, I'm still in Ty Johnson's camp. This was a long answer. That's another Chris thing. Um, <laughs> it, but, but I would say I'm still in the Ty Johnson camp. You better believe I'm going to be a little more circumspect with my rank of him this week. We're going to calm down a little bit on the rank, but definitely like it more than Trey Carson and, and uh, definitely feel like he left a little, he and the Lions left a little meat on the bone for him in the last game. Yeah, that's, it's, I, I certainly agree with you there. All right, so we do have a trade, but it happened already. This trade has already been done. We have the Kenyon Drake going to Arizona and we have now Mark Walton that we saw in Monday Night Football last night, depending on when you're listening to this. And Mark Walton, not a great game. Steelers defense, better than people think this year. The better that it's finally playing up to the talent that you see at all their positions. But at the same time, it is the Dolphins. So let's start there because that's the more recent game of the two. Mark Walton, I assume you would take him over all of the Lions just because of opportunity, or is it just, you know what, I can't get too excited. It's still the Dolphins. I haven't done my running back ranks yet for this week. I have to admit, I'm like, I'm, I'm caught with like a kid with my homework, not done. <laughs> no, no, um, no. Speaking of which, real quick, tell everybody wh- when you have your shows, because I know you did waivers today and everything like that. I want to make sure everybody knows what you're, because you every single day, every single day of the week, you have a podcast out. I do five, five podcasts a week. Yeah. Monday and Tuesday are more of the film watching. Cause so that's my deal is basically I watch them all on film. That's why I can like wax rhapsodic about Jabril Peppers knocking a ball out of somebody's hand. Cause I was up at five in the morning today watching Jets Jags. That was not fun. Um, and then Tuesday I do waivers. Wednesday we talk ranks. Thursday is like flex talk and DraftKings, And then Friday's sort of wild card, wild card on the show. Um, so I am in mid ranks process. I think it's a great question. And you know, I think Jalen Samuels for me is probably the one as far as a waiver ad goes. Am I spoiling anything? Or are we about to do this? No, 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 he, no, he, no, no, no. Okay, and then Mark Walton was probably two because exactly what you said. Like he's okay as a player. I, I think we now have we just got a national TV game where we got to see him be Chase Edmonds. We got to see him be Gio Bernard. We got to see him be Duke Johnson. We, he's an undersized player who, in the best of all worlds probably isn't your number one running back. You pair him with someone better. But the only other player left in Miami is now Kalen Balazs. <laughs> He's terrible. <laughs> so, you, so you're probably going to use Walton more than you'd like to if you were anything like a good team. He can find a crease. He can accelerate pretty well. He's not going to run over anybody at the goal line. And I don't know, they don't seem to throw the running backs all that much. So th- it's going to be a question. Am I going to have Ty Johnson or Mark Walton higher this week? I think they're going to be really close. And I think maybe in a PPR, Walton goes a little above him. But I think there's a chance I'm going to be right about on Ty Johnson, too, and give him one more shot. This is pretty far down the running back ranks, though. Yeah, it certainly is. It's funny that you said that, too, because when he came out of college and they were originally drafted by the Bengals, I said, I feel like this is the Giovanni, Bar- Giovanni Bernard replacement on the Bengals, right. which, you know, that, that hadn't turned out differently because of the off-field stuff. So I want to come back to Kenyon Drake because, real quick, this is going to be a pivot to a topic that I had that I wanted to talk to you about, but this relates right now because we're talking about it right now. So I wanted to get 
as I said at the top and why I brought you on, I said this is great for analysis because you are one of the people who definitely pushes against all the people taking the lazy way out of saying, oh, you know, it's this type of, like, the revenge game factor. Like, you know, you said the tongue-in-cheek, but also, you know, there's certain situations where, like, well, the defense stinks. They're going to have to pass more. Like, those type of narratives that people create, which just really aren't true for when you're trying to analyze football. So, I want to go here with this. And I said, I want I want Chris's input on opportunity because people always say, this is another one, people say, opportunity is king. And it matters, but how much does it really matter? Because I think a good example of where it didn't really matter was Zach Pascal last week. I mean, you can be out there for 90% of the snaps, but it doesn't matter if the opportunity doesn't include real opportunity, which is targets. Sure. I mean, the, the, any meta conversation that you, you and I are never going to have, you, you come on my show all the time, you and I are never going to have the, show, the conversation where we go and we've figured out the formula for how to evaluate players. And we know <laughs> what the most important factor is. And it doesn't matter who the player is or the team or the situation or anything like that. Just not that's silly. That's not how you or I, that's why I love you as a guest. Cause we don't have to have that fight, right? There are people who will just go, tell me how many touches you think he's going to have. I, I don't care about the rest of it. And in some cases, I mean, that's kind of what you said about Mark Walton. We think he's fine. But we say the only reason we're considering him and he's in a waiver ad is you're real desperate at running back and you're like, I need help. And you go, okay, well, at least <laughs> I can get some out of him. Like, of course it matters. Right. right? We, we know Mike, Mark Walton does have some – we know Adrian Peterson has a baseline workload. We don't think it's going to go very well most weeks. He's probably going to run into a freight train most weeks. But they sure seem to want to give him the ball 12 times in the first quarter. That has some value to it. Um, I think the whole conversation about uh, – hunting workload in receivers is hilarious. <laughs> do, are pe do people know how many receivers are on the field at any given time? This idea that, oh, well, he was out there for this number of snaps. I mean, it matters because if he's not out there for a certain number of snaps, he's screwed. He's not going to produce at all. But just being out there for snaps doesn't really help me much at all. Running backs, I'm a little more, running backs so much more scarce. So you brought it up because we're talking about it through the lens of Kenyon Drake. Like there just aren't a lot of running backs. I got my guy on by I, my guys hurt. My guys ineffective. My guys, whatever I need someone. At least I know Kenyon. At least I have a feeling that Kenyon Drake has got a chance at some workload, but then I would hope that folks approach it with some nuance and say, but tell me who he's playing. Oh, it's the Niners. That's not good. Tell me when the game is. Oh, it's three days after he got traded to them. Ooh, that's not awesome. Uh, tell me, <laughs> What the team that he's coming to, oh, it's the Cardinals. That's a pretty pass-happy offense that doesn't really move the doll down the field and create a lot of goal line opportunities. Oh, they signed Alfred Morris and they signed Zach Zenner. Oh, awesome. Okay, maybe all three of those guys are active. I would think, I would hope that most people would be able to see the nuance of saying, okay, Kenyon Drake deserves to be ranked a little higher this week because we're not going to get David Johnson. We're not going to get Chase Edmonds. Yes, there's a little extra opportunity, but there are some mitigating factors there too that should also have like a negative feeling on his weekly ranking. Yeah, okay. And this is why I love bringing it up because I knew that's where we would go with it. You'd wind me up five minutes later. Hey, is Harris still talking? Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is the insight that the people should love and appreciate from you. So here's another one. For running backs, and this is kind of now going to be a three-part because it's three different running backs. It was the rookie running back week for, you know, the fact that Dave Montgomery, Devin Singletary, and Miles Sanders all showed up in the same week. It's not like they haven't shown up before, but this is the week where they're all together, Singletary finally healthy. I just want to ask you kind of more of a broad question with them. If you could only have one 
the rest of the way, who would it be? Because I think the easy answer a lot of people would say is Montgomery, but how much do we trust Nagy at this point with what he's done so far? So where are you looking if you only could own one the rest of the season? I'm interested in your answer. I'll answer first. I still, I do think it would be Montgomery. Um, and, and maybe it would be process of elimination. Uh, Singletary is interesting. And Frank Gore played three snaps in the second half and I don't think he was hurt. Now they were, they started to lose that game, but right. I hadn't know I hadn't known that, Singletary was the guy they were going to use. That was news, right? That when they were behind. So that's that's interesting for sure. And Singletary is an interesting player. But I just feel like how many years in a row do we need to go broke betting on someone to take over Frank Gore's job until we go, oh, maybe I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> so I, I so Singletary would be out for me. And if and and then Sanders, just such an explosive player. You saw the breakaway run for the touchdown in that same game, and he made a couple of long plays in the uh, in the running game, in the passing game before that. But I just think, in, you know, instinctively, he's proven that he's maybe not trustable, and he also got hurt in that game. And um, uh, Montgomery is turning out to be a little more Jordan Howard, I think, than the Bears would like to admit. He's turning out to be a little bit more of a power back who. I mean, he had a breakaway run too in that game, but got run, run down from behind. Whereas Miles Sanders is like, bye, right? And so, right, you don't see you don't see a lot of lateral movement. You don't see a lot of super acceleration. You're not seeing a lot of dynamic pass receiving. But I think to some degree, I, I'm not loving all the any of these three guys. But to some degree, uh, I'll just take the one who now f- feels to me like the one who can be relied on in the most kinds of situations, and the one who proved that maybe the winning game plan for his team was to come out in the second half after Trubisky had barfed all over himself about 10 straight plays in the red zone. And they must have run it with Montgomery nine times out of 10 in that beginning of that second (laughs) half because they were like, you know, this is the best path that we have to sort of saving ourselves. And and then Montgomery himself is okay. Like, I don't think he's great, but he's okay. But what's your answer? I'm with you and it's not too dissimilar. I I think that... The only one I find that could nip at his heels is the biggest concern I have Miles Sanders is just the use of Jordan Howard at this point. Like Miles Sanders is essentially, I think, uh, uh, more not stylistically, but purely for fantasy purposes. I feel like he's kind of in that James White territory is, you know, oh, four or five catches. Hopefully he takes one for a big play. And if you're asking him to run the ball much, well, as you said, it's it's not been so great so far. It's been less than expected. So I think you were kind of forced to go to David Montgomery. But. I do think Devin Singletary is interesting if – I'm really glad that you said that because if we, we are reactionary, if we're going off one game, we would say, oh, well, the Bills are down. It's going to be Singletary. If they're up, it's Frank Gore. Like If you want to base it off one game and make it that simple, then yeah. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, you say, well, look at the, the Bills' last four games at Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers, at Patriots – there's a good chance that they could be behind in all of those games. So there's some upside for Singletary. But to your point – that's kind of two things. I'm guessing off of one game, and I'm also guessing an outcome four weeks from now, and I'm also guessing an outcome, as you said, is like we keep wanting to push Frank Gore aside. So it's a lot of ifs where at least we have one that we already know who's getting the workload. Is that fair? Indeed, It's fair, indeed. I'll say, you know, I was thinking standard. If we got to PPR, they all get more bunched. You know, Miles Sanders yes. does have some value in PPR, and, and Montgomery, we were pitched all summer that, oh, watch out, he's a three-down back, and... having seen him play I'm not trying to say he can't be a pretty good player but and and frankly all of it could just be crushed by Trubisky being horrible like we could wake up 
with the Bears with a better quarterback at some point through some transaction and discover Dave Montgomery is a way more dynamic player than we think. And this is just him looking less so because people just laugh at Trubisky. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Sanders and for me, Sanders and Montgomery get a lot closer in PPR and Singletary does too. Yeah, certainly. All right, so let's continue with this uh, thought process here of uh, situations. And this one comes down to now back to wide receiver, the touchdown opportunity, because you know how it is. You hate trying to predict touchdowns. Tyrell <laughs> Williams has a touchdown in every game he's played so far So with the Raiders. At what point do we kind of say, you know what, it being the second option, and I was going to say, I'm saying second because of Darren Waller in the passing game, but with the kind of volume and the kind of opportunity he sees most weeks because there's a bunch of guys behind him, like Renfro and, well, J.J. Nelson's not even there anymore Well, is because he's out. So a bunch of guys, let's just put it that way. I think that was the best way to put it, a bunch of guys behind him. Does the touchdowns make you say, you know what, if they're going to score through the air, there's a good chance it's going to be Tyrell Williams. Are you on the side of the, hey, regression has to hit at some point. You can't keep scoring a touchdown every single game. Especially with three catches, yes, it should regress. Yes, I'd say uh, Tyrell. I, you, I was trying to dance around that. If you noticed, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, um, Tyrell Williams belongs very much to the group of receivers who, who in any given week, there's 40 of them, and you don't know who to start. It just that's the NFL now. It's not like 10 years ago where there were just defined roles and more, many more two receiver sets and a lot of superstars at receiver where you go. Okay, cool. That guy's got to get eight targets or plus a game. Oh, that guy does too. And that guy, that just doesn't exist on a lot of teams anymore. If someone in your league wants to treat Tyrell Williams like he's a top 20 receiver the rest of the way, oh my God, trade him. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, trade him. Because (laughs) it's just not, yeah, you can't, you're not going to get touched on every game when Derek Carr is extremely conservative. This is why the completion percentage is so high. He's fine. He can be a game managing kind of winning quarterback. I get it. He's not a disaster. He's not terrible. But uh, he's just not going to push up. He, he pushes the ball down the field a couple times a, a week, and Williams has made hay on a couple of them, and that's cool. But yeah, he's not a top 20 receiver for me. Uh, I'm with you on that. And the interesting thing is, everybody with five touchdowns, he's the only one without 40 plus targets, the only one without at least 27 receptions. He's got 30 and 20 and 307 yards, hurt. by the way. He was hurt. I mean, he missed games. He missed games. He's a good, he's a good player. He, he belongs right. to the, he belongs to the uh, group of Deshaun players Jackson. in any given week. Uh, I think he's a little better than Deshaun Jackson because he's got size. So you can use him in the red zone and you're probably not going to use Deshaun Jackson in the red zone. That's true. Uh, I was thinking old Deshaun Jackson. Let's go back to uh, that game for Thursday Night Football uh, that's coming up. Uh, Manuel Sanders got traded. There's another trade that, for that game that we have in wide receiver-wise. Manuel Sanders' first game, without the touchdown, we're probably like, eh, it was, yeah. what do you expect? A whole lot in the first game. The yeah. 49ers, run, 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 run. So Debo Samuel has been essentially their like, number one production. I say you can see there's so much hesitancy there because their entire hodgepodge or whatever wide receivers up to this point but with Emmanuel Sanders now being their de facto number one uh, is Debo and and Sanders at least in the realm of startability for you every single week now is I I, can we even say any receiver on the 49ers is must start like wide receiver three I think oh yeah exactly no no no. (laughs) um so Sanders is the only one you even need to roster I, I think you can drop Debo Samuel. I can you drop Dante Pettis. You know, we've been waiting for Dante Pettis. It's not going to happen this year. Um, and I think Sandoz very clearly belongs to the same giant group that Tyra Williams belongs to. Uh, 
I call him the Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Uh, he has been one of my favorites for a long time. I think he's a terrific player. Uh, there, there probably will be some games eventually where San Francisco isn't winning by eight touchdowns all the way through. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can do having to come from behind. We'll get to see how uh, exotic and downfield and cool the 49er offense might wind up being. We haven't seen it yet. I don't guess we're going to get to see it on Thursday night against the Cardinals. But there's a couple of Seahawks games coming. They can throw with them. They're, I think that's two and three weeks. Oh, no. It's Arizona's two and three weeks, but there's two eventual Seahawks games. There's a Green Bay game. There's a New Orleans game. Baltimore will put a little pressure on you. There's, it, it comes harder now. It, it, will, it will start to get more difficult um, for the Niner offense. And maybe we'll see enough to be impressed that enough coalesces around Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think you have to drop him because he's a really good player. But situations do matter. We're just terrible at knowing them beforehand. Pretty sure this summer nobody was saying, watch out for that juggernaut San Francisco defense and juggernaut San Francisco running game. That was not what was on the table. And given that we know those two things are real, at least for now, it makes it hard to love anything in that passing game. Um, yeah, hundred percent with you as well, obviously outside of George Kittle, you know, when there matters there, let me ask you about a passing game where up until this year, it has been very concentrated to three wide receivers that now Gerald Everett's getting in the mix and kind of causing problems for Brandon cooks and even Robert Woods at times. But now Brandon cooks, if out Josh Reynolds, I actually think brings a whole different dynamic. Well, if anybody's watched Josh Reynolds versus Brandon Cooks, I think they would also agree. He brings a different dynamic. He's not the same wide receiver at all. He is now their biggest wide receiver. Jared Goff went to him a lot after Brandon Cooks left that game. Do you think that was, and this is a great question for you, as you mentioned earlier in the show, people weren't listening, watches all these games, stays up, gets up, crack at dawn to watch these games. Watching that game, do you think this is what Jared Goff needs, or was this just completely a matchup opportunity for Josh Reynolds? There's logic behind it. I get the logic, and Josh Reynolds is an okay player. Um, you know, we're not even we're talking. We don't even know they have a bye week. And we don't. Brandon Cooks might right. okay. Like we don't know, but it is his second concussion, and what they're saying fourth in two years or something. He got famously concussed in the Super Bowl his last game as a Patriot. Um, so there's a chance he misses time. It does feel weird to say after having spent two months lamenting how the Ram offense just isn't the same and it's really difficult to trust any weapons other than the main guys, you know, uh, Cup and, and Gurley, but less, you know, Gurley less than you wish, but he's still been okay for fantasy. Um, weird to say. And add Josh Reynolds. Like, I would say maybe. There is some logic, like you said. Uh, Everett, you know, short stuff. Uh, Cooper Cup is more... They, they ran the same play six times in the second half against the Bengal defense. It's just... It's not bad. The personnel isn't bad. They're just scared to death of the... They're, they, they're scared of their personnel. They run that zone defense where the linebackers say, oh, hey, you're sending running backs out into the pattern? Let's go run up and, and see if they're going to get a reception. And then Cooper Cup just runs across right behind them. They ran that six times in the second. Unbelievable. Like, catch on, dudes. But whatever. Um, there's some logic that says what Sean McVay has had to do in lieu of a decent offensive line, which he does not have. He's had to run you know, handoffs to Robert Woods, all the jet motion that we used to see that didn't really resolve into anything that people didn't really have to respect. It was more about where was the receiver then going to run his route from. Now they're actually running crazy play, play action 
often said, or throwback plays or, uh, you know, like lots of tight end screens, lots of wide receiver screens. Reynolds can be a part of that. It is true. And I would say if, he, but so can Robert Woods and he just kind of hasn't been, I'd say there's, I have more concern about that Ram offense if there's no deep threat because Cooks That's, is sort of the yeah. one who takes the top off the defense and Josh Reynolds certainly not going to do that. So there's some logic. In a deeper league, I could see adding Reynolds. We might look back in a few weeks and say, ah, you know what they really needed was to be the Patriots. You know, the Patriots are sort of left without a deep threat now. Philip Dorsett kind of. I mean, more so than but, anybody on the Rams probably. Yeah, but to your point, I mean, you can see what the loss of Deshaun Jackson is kind of doing to the Eagles offense. Sure. You just yeah, you know, yeah. just take no, away Zach Ertz and move on from there. Right, no deep threat, and and we can just push everything up. And if anybody goes deep, cool, we got, we'll got we play one safety back or we'll play no, no safeties back and our cover our corners can cover them. Um, so it could go – you know, I'm saying I guess it could go either way, and that's not a, a, what you're supposed to do with fantasy. But <laughs> the, the Rams are really interesting and – probably this off week wouldn't be the time I would need to add Josh Reynolds, except for in like a 16 team, really deep t- kind of league since they're on right. by. But once we start to get uh, news about Brandon cooks next week, it, m- it might be interesting. All right. Two more for you before I get you out of here. All right. So the Broncos, uh, whether or not people were joking initially that it was because Joe Flacco spoke his mind after the game, either way, he sounds like he's out for multiple weeks with the injury. And now we're turning to Brandon Allen which uh, Pat Mayo asked me earlier today. He's like, so what do you, like, tell me about Brandon Allen. I was like, dude, here's all you need to know. Like he's at best was going to be a backup. He was drafted in 2016 and this is, you don't know anything about Brandon Allen. That is, there's a reason why. So that was my take on him. Obviously there's more to Brandon Allen out there, but some people, of course, here's, yeah, hey, you want to head back down narrative street, Chris, here we go. People, I got questions on the athletic comments, and I'm not joking, those people. Like, these are the questions people have, and they create narratives and create these false situations. But they said Joe Flacco didn't look to Deshaun Hamilton at all. Is there a chance that Brandon Allen helps his value? Like, it's just that immediate, like, hey, I need a reason to like him. So, but let's talk about Brandon Allen and what it does to this offense. Is this, this is what I know the question I'm about to start with is creating what I just said, but. Do they go more run heavy, in your opinion, because it is Brandon Allen? Does Brandon Allen, you know, critically hurt Cortland Sutton's value, who was basically a top 15 wide receiver this year, and crush any potential hope for Deshaun Hamilton in your mind? I wish I had an answer for you. I really just don't know who Brandon Allen is. I mean, I know who he is, but I've never seen him play a game that mattered because he's never played a game that mattered. Like, I, I'm not going to go off of Rams preseason. Have you seen Rams preseason games? <laughs> they not exactly put the best and the brightest out there uh, for, for their preseason games. So um, <laughs> it's claimed off of waivers from the Rams uh, to, to be the second string. Well, I guess to be the third string. Right. Um, because Durlock was... was you know how how damning is this about Drew Locke? By the way, they say he's healthy. Who knows? Um, so I'm gonna just be in a holding pattern over it, and maybe my justification will be, my God, Joe, do we not remember Joe Flacco against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Thursdays ago? Like it was the worst performance of the year, maybe at quarterback. It's up there. Maybe Sam Darnold's right. against the Patriots is worse, but it's close. <laughs> it's and it's there. <laughs> Right, so are we gonna say that anybody coming in? So he's 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 almost like a random empty uniform. He's the he's the guy on Madden with no face. Like it could be anybody, and it's possible he could be at least as good as Joe Flacco. So I'm gonna sort of sort of reserve judgment. All I can say about Deshaun Hamilton is that when some dude from the CFL is splashing more on film, who plays like seven snaps, uh, than than Deshaun Hamilton is, and. Fred Brown was he the other guy? Yeah, yeah. I heard of 
Fred Brown in my life until this week. I have to admit, I watch a lot of film. I've never heard of Fred Brown in my entire life. Um, <laughs> that makes me think maybe this is not the magic elixir. Uh, I, 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 when, when bad quarterbacks play, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for the running backs. It's not good for anybody. Otherwise, we'd have had a history filled with wonderful running backs who played for Chris Sims. You know, like, <laughs> like we, you know, this is bad for an offense when a quarterback isn't good. So we'll see if he's good, but if he's not good, it's not going to benefit anybody. No, certainly not. I feel like, wasn't there a Fred? No, not a Fred Brown. Who was the one that was on the Panthers a couple of years? I feel like there was a Fred Brown on the Panthers. Like, maybe I've got the, have I got the name wrong. No, I mean, no, you have it right. I'm just, I'm trying yeah. to think of who it was. It's just, it was that, that, that the Freddie, was it Fred? No, that was a Freddie Mitchell. I don't know. We're down we're off a tangent here. So let's get to the last one. This wasn't, is another question. Wasn't, wasn't Fred Brown, Freddie Brown, the guy who like missed the shot for Georgetown in the eighties or like turned it over against the, in the final game against North Carolina or something? Oh, was it? Yeah. That's like years ago. Probably not related. No, probably not. I would assume not. <laughs> All right, so here, here's the last one. This is another quarterback situation, but at least this quarterback situation, we have recent scouting, but it's all from college because we haven't seen Ryan Finley yet. They are on their bye. This is another one. But what? And this, the reason I bring this up is actually going to slant this question for you in a different direction. It's not like, hey, what does this do for Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate and if A.J. Green comes back and blah, like, because they're turning to Ryan Finley in a bye, and we haven't seen Ryan Finley even in the NFL yet. So what I'm going to say to you is kind of look at it from this way. From what you know from college about Finley, mm -hmm. do you buy low on any of these Bengals players because of, one, how miserable they've been, but, two, that does he have possibly more upside for this offense than Andy Dalton does, or is this offensive line and just everything about the Bengals so miserably poor that no, it's not going to matter if you put Tom Brady back there? Oh, it would matter if you put Tom Brady back there. <laughs> I know. Uh, I would take I just... Tom Brady back there. That would be great. Uh, I think the Bengals fans would really like, would, would enjoy that. They would go from hating him to liking him really, really quick. Uh, I don't know enough about Ryan Finley to know. I mean, what he, we all know what the reputation, the scouting told us, which is even for college, not a very strong arm, but some, right. a lot of moxie, you know, people like his makeup, all that stuff. Sounds like a career backup to me, but what do I know? We're, we're going to know when we see it. Uh, they need to get rid of Andy Dalton. I mean, that's no question about that. So that's, they should have done it four years ago. I've been screaming for it for a long time. He's not good, but I don't think that, and you know, I, I really doubt that Ryan Finley comes in and is better than Andy Dalton has been. I don't view it as a buy low because it's probably going to be more of the same. It's just going to be sort of desultory on the way to trying to get a good quarterback in the draft, you know? Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Gardner Minshew is starting to look a little bit more like, a potential long-term mid-range starter for, you know, and, and so that could happen. Finley could prove it. I mean, I you know, Minshew has a good arm. I don't think you'd say it's great. He's certainly not a great athlete, but he's just got a thing that they identified and <laughs> they seems like they, they, they're right. And the thing isn't just a mustache, Jake. Um, so <laughs> no, I think it's an awesome the, nickname. Yeah. The, the answer <laughs> I would say is uh, just, just, yeah, it's probably until we see it, we don't know, but I'd say, I'm real skeptical it gets great all of a sudden for the Bengals. And frankly, do they want it to get great? You know, if you've got a chance at Joe Burrow, if you've got a chance at Tua, like maybe you just go ahead and keep stinking. Yeah, although it, it's tough as we saw. The, the Dolphins and Fitzpatrick looked like they were potentially going to ruin everything on Monday Night Football. So, But that changed in the second half. But one thing that shouldn't change, and you said you hope. Well, I hope everybody's following you at Harris Football. And again, one more time, remind everybody, 
where to get your stuff and include, you know, throw out for everybody out there, you know, you do some writing on the side. I know it's not right now because it's the middle of football season, but you know, tell everybody where they can get your great work. Harrisfootball.com is the place. Uh, we actually are doing a YouTube show this year. So we're breaking down film because obviously when you and I talk, it's only audio. So I'm describing this Jabril, Jabril Peppers play and people are like, I can almost picture it. But if you go to the YouTube channel, <laughs> Uh, youtube.com slash Harris football. You, we do a uh, five shows a week there too. I do a lot of shows. I can't wait for it to be January. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll try to like, you know, if you want to see what Ty Johnson looks like, or if you want to see what, uh, Mike Evans's big day was, or if you want, you know, we, we will show you stuff on YouTube too, but any, it's all, it's all linked to at harrisfootball.com. Yeah. And like I said, that's it's what makes it so good because as you just said, it's not just hearing it, but when you watch it at the same time, it's like going back to school. You learn better when you see and read at the same time and not reading, but you know, you're listening and seeing at the same time. So make sure you're doing that with Chris Harris. And I always appreciate you having me on and I appreciate you coming on, Chris. One of the best. Oh, thanks for having me, Jake. Anytime. Once again, that was Chris Harris. Hope you enjoyed the show before we get out of here. A reminder, I'm going to talk some little DFS sneak preview for the DFS footballers podcast that I do with Chris Meany and Joe Hochul over with them. That'll be out Friday morning, but some sneak preview picks for you guys. I always reference fansharesports.com as signed up myself. There's a code that they let me share for you all in sports, 20% off just to share with you guys, not trying to do anything special. Like, Oh, this is my read for the day. This is just where I go. When people always ask when I talk about projected ownership and I'm looking right now at two guys as I always do. Mark Walton against the Jets. I think everybody's completely disappointed with his first performance with no Kenyon Drake. Understandably so, but I think people also don't realize that the Steelers' defense is a lot better than they think or have seen so far this year. Tough start right out of the gate. I think you see him more involved again this week. You have to do worry about Balazs and his touches at the goal line, but the good news overall, snap count and touches heavily, heavily in favor of Walton. I always look for opportunities. He's getting the opportunity to share. It is a dice roll gamble, but that's why he's a GPP play. And at a very, very, very extreme low ownership outside the top 30 at running back as of today, I'm looking at him as a great piece for your opportunity in a GPP, like I said. But let's also talk wide receiver. And you know what? I understand why this person is where he is. The quarterback play is changing. A new quarterback is coming in, but the quarterback play before this wasn't that great. Joe Flacco did have a great connection with Cortland Sutton. Let's be real. The Cortland Sutton had been great. Now, there's a lot of greats. Cortland Sutton had been great so far this year, and I understand Brandon Allen coming in. Let's say he's more aggressive. Let's say he does better than Joe Flacco throwing 170, 150, zero touchdowns. Joe Flacco was not having a very good year outside of one week. Joe Flacco has a rapport. Brandon Allen might be able to do the same, might be able to do even better. Similar to the Hodges situation with the Steelers. More aggressive than Mason Rudolph. It could go any which way. That all being said, Quentin Sutton down by Deshaun Hamilton, who came up. I, we, let's pour one out for him again. I, I was so disappointed in that. But down by Deshaun Hamilton, down by Danny Amendola, down by Andre Roberts and Cole Beasley and Jarius Wright and Josh Bellamy. I think it's a very interesting play. Again, this is over at fansharesports.com. All in kids, 20% off. This is All in Sports, the show, theathletic.com. All in Sports, 40% off at The Athletic. Lots of discounts for you guys. Thanks again to Chris Harris. Thanks again to you guys for listening. I'll catch you next Wednesday for week 10 of the fantasy football season. This is going so fast. See you guys later.